The following program is sponsored by Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. Views and opinions expressed are not those of this station, its owner, staff, or management. You're listening to the Golden State Report. Here's your host, Sacramento's leading real estate agent, Mike Gray. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. So happy that you have tuned in this week. I have my normal cohorts in crime in the studio with me this week. I have Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hello, everybody. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. There's a lot of fun in this studio right now, so I think people oh, are yes. going to enjoy the show. That, it should be good. It's a good thing they can't see what happens before we go on the air sometimes. <laughs> it, is, it is entertaining. It, it can be very, very entertaining. <laughs> but people don't tune into their show for entertainment. This is where they can tune in every week, and we promise to give them the latest and the greatest news as it pertains to the Sacramento. Valley real estate market. And here we are, and it is still, still, and still a very, very uh, conducive seller's market. I have a new word for this market. What's your new word, Amy? It's a phenomenon. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I have never experienced this. And I've talked to a lot of my peers. They have never experienced this type of a real estate market either. It's a phenomenon. It's a it's phenomenon. A phenomenon. Yep. That's a pretty big word, Amy. It is. A, it is a big word, and and it's it is. I mean, I think by saying it's a phenomenon, we're saying that um, it's good market. You know, for sellers, for sellers, and for buyers. I think because there's still going to be appreciation after you buy you this know, year, and buyers who have adapted to the market, their, their agents and the buyers who have adapted to the market are having success in buying homes. Now we are in a market where the supply, the supply far, far out, I mean, the, the demand far, far outseeds the, the supply. Right. We just don't have enough homes. For example, oftentimes we say, you know, um, what kind of a market do we have? And if we have a normal seller's market, that means on average there's about two to three months worth of inventory on the market. So that means that if no houses came on the market in the next two to th- you know in the, they dry the, up you know, in two to three months. Yeah, we'd be all out in two to three months. Right now, if no houses came on the market, we would dry up in two and one half weeks. Wow! Oh my, oh my goodness! Two and one half weeks. That's how light the inventory is right now. That's incredible. So but, w- without the construction taking place that we'd like to see, though, it's improving. I mean, I remember looking at some statistics earlier today about th- the fact that 2005, we were like at a peak mm-hmm. in terms of new homes, new home building. But now, I mean, we're just at a situation where we're just we're making progress. We're still going upward, but it's still yeah. not at any pace. Yeah, that can whatever be to we add the to the, yeah, whatever we add to the inventory whether it be new construction or existing resale homes hitting, hitting the market, uh, we just have, for every home that hits, there are four or five buyers. Well, and the builders are, I mean, I just had a client get into contract on a new build home. And um, so what is it? We're in April. Their home is not going to be built until the middle of September. Right. And, so, that, and, and that's fairly quick. Uh, right? Yeah. yeah so. so they're four months four or five months out. Uh, I have a client yeah. who's going to have a new home uh, in the... Uh, the Folsom Ranch area, uh-huh. the, the new development, and uh, they were projected to get into the home maybe toward the end of this year, and they're projecting now the fall of 2022. Oh, my goodness. And and the net, one of the major you – know, the builders will build them as fast as they can because people are willing to buy and pay over asking price, pay a, a premium over asking price. But what they're struggling with is the supply chain. 
the pandemic has really disrupted the the supply chain and it's never the same it's not just sheetrock or it's not just it's everything yeah i mean it kind of moves it kind of just this month it's this item that they can't get and, right and this month it's that item i i tease people now when you go by home depot pretty soon we're going to see a sign just like in front of a gas station oh yeah it tells you the price per gallon oh, they're yeah. going to tell you yes. the price per linear foot of wood today <laughs> Because it changes so dramatically, yes. and it's just and it's been changing. Just as gas prices have been going up, yeah. so have the prices of the raw materials for all the new homes. Well, I'm sure that gas prices play a part in that increase in inflation. Yeah, it's, it's just part because of the, yeah. you know you got to transport the wood from the forest to the mill, from the mill yeah. to the Home Depot store, yeah. as you mentioned. And I said, as I said earlier in this broadcast too, that the the buyers and the agents who adapt are having some. some some success. And so how are we adapting right now? Yeah. How are you adapting? Well, we're doing one of two things. The most important thing, of course, is the price always is. And we are coming in strong and we are coming in high and we are coming in fast. Um, in the real desirable markets, anywhere from 12 to 18% over asking price. Oh my goodness. Well, and we had a huge success this week because you know, whenever you're making offers that are, you know, 12 to 18 percent over mm -hmm. the list price, the fear is, will it appraise? Uh -huh. Right. And yes, we're all releasing our loan or appraisal contingencies. But, you know, we all know at the end of the day, if you're getting a loan, you still have to get an appraisal. Right. And if the appraisal comes in low, then the buyer has to pay whatever the difference is between the appraised value and the purchase price. So how much down do I need to put on a house and a new purchase? to avoid an appraisal. How much down do I need to do to get you to waive the appraisal? That, that's, that's, there's, no, there's no formula for that because... Um, then just give us your amazing Amy opinion, what you think might be sufficient, a, generally a speaking. 780 FICO score and 20% down. 20 would do it. They, they might waive the appraisal, but there's, no, there's never a guarantee. Okay, there's but never a guarantee. So, so that's, a, that's an automated um, approval that okay. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac kicks out when we run their loan through what's called desktop underwriter. Okay. Um, if, if, and I just got one on a purchase the other day and oddly enough, they were in contract two months ago and they, the, it was the buyer that got, uh, they got one on the first, an appraisal waiver. They got right. one on the first house and then they got one on this house too. Interesting. And that tells me that it, it maybe has more to do with them right. than it right. does to do with the, uh, but you have to be very, and oftentimes when, we're, when we represent buyers in a normal market, there are some safety nets for the buyer as we b begin the escrow in the first, you know, 17 days or, or 21 days. Mm -hmm. You know, the loans, the safety net, you have to make it the loan, the appraisals, one, and you have inspection contingencies. And you also get to see all the seller's disclosures. If the home where you're buying has CCNRs or HOAs, you get to review those documents. Right. And we went in, you know, we were successful with a buyer getting in. We came in very, very strong, more than 10% over asking price. We were competing with, I think, 19 other offers, and we were successful. But we released every safety net except for one. I kept one in my back pocket. And that was? That was the loan contingency. The loan contingency. And we're going to remove that now because everything's going to work out. Okay. But you still, that, that's still, and what's that risk? Okay. When you, re, when you go into a transition without those safety nets, what's that risk? What is that risk is the deposit that you put down to open up the escrow. In a normal market, it's usually about 1% of the purchase price. So let's just say you're buying a $500,000 house. That 1% would be a $5,000 deposit. Yeah. Now, in this market where I am competing against other buyers, 
my goal is to make it very, very easy for the seller to say yes to our offer, my buyer's offer. And I'm also going to try to impress the seller, all right? And one of the, one of the way, ways we did that this, in this escrow that was just successful is that we doubled our deposit. Nice. So not only did we remove um, our safety nets, we also put more money at risk right up front. Yeah. Now, I still kept one safety net in my back pocket, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a big one. <laughs> I, got, I got to be honest. Be, with only one, it, it can be just a little bit scary. But this particular buyer, very, very well qualified, but we had struck out. Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I'm not trying to sound egotistic, but I kind of know what I'm doing. I've been pretty successful in multiple offer situations until 2021. Right. I'm getting beat out. And so now we, we learned how to adjust. Right. And we made it very, very easy for the seller to say yes to our offer. But it, I mean, I, I get a bit of a dry mouth when I help them write that offer because I'm used to trying to protect yeah. you know, my, my buyers financially as long as I can, as strongly as I can. And we're just peeling away those safety le uh, layers left and right. right to trying to make our offer more attractive than, uh, than another buyer's offer. So it's, it's, it's an example of how you need to adjust to the market. Right. Now, the other million-dollar question I'm getting from all of my sellers and my buyers and from listeners calling in is, well, how long do you think this crazy red-hot seller's market that we have never experienced before is going to last? What's your answer? Well, there's, there's really two parts of that answer. They, they, they're really asking two questions at one time. You know, And then when will prices come back down? That's kind of the second question they ask. How long is this going to last and when are prices going to come back down? Yeah, they, they want to wait and buy right. when it's at the bottom. But yeah. Or at least not get, when it's quite so crazy. Line, right? Right, right. And so my answer is, is I don't think we're going to give back what we have gained. Yeah. Uh, just because of the, the buyers moving in from the Bay Area and, and, and the amount of resources. They flatten out in a couple of years yeah. where... Prices stay flat. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it ending in the rest of 2021, to be honest. I, I think we're going to continue this market. And oh, I see I got a mark here for a break. I'll continue and answer that question why right after this break. But if you have any questions, you can give me a call at 530-431-8586. Again, 530-431-8586. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Gray. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on FM 105.5 and AM 1380. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. It's always a pleasure to be here. And Amy DeBusk from Finance of America. Indeed it is, gentlemen. And we had some great information during that first segment, kind of just talking about how successful buyers are adapting to this very, very hot seller's market. And then we were we ended that segment talking about when was this going to you know when was this going to stop? Yes. Right? And then when then will prices come back down? And I ended up by saying I don't I really I really don't think we're gonna get, we're going to give back this gain. It's, I believe it's here to stay. And but when will this craziness uh, where we're having you know seven buyers trying to buy the same house twenty four hours after it hits the market? Maybe twenty four minutes after it hits the market. <laughs> Two it minutes. Seem, it seems to be that fast. Right. And, you know, I see it continuing through the rest of this year. At least I don't see any signs of it. And a couple of different reasons is that the demand is, I mean, people, our inventory is so low. 
people who normally would sell have not sold because they don't know where they're going to move to. What other, so whether they're going to upsize or downsize, they don't want to enter this market and, and compete with all these other buyers. They'll get a great price when they sell, but then they have a nightmare when they try to buy. So that's kind of keeping some of those home. Some of those people have reinvested in their home, either refinanced because the interest rates were so unbelievably low last year and they like their interest rate. And they've put in, they've improved their home. They've expanded, they've added on to it. They've improved the backyard, perhaps added a pool, and they're much more content. And they feel like they're in a new home. Yes, yeah. And so they're, they're, and, they're and, and for those reasons, they're not going to put their house on the market. So that inventory is not going to come back. Now, builders, if they could build them faster, they would. I guarantee it. Yeah. Do you think that there is a small percentage of people in our area that are not putting their houses on the market because of the COVID-19 still, you know, fears of, you know, having people walk through their house? Do you think maybe? And, and, and those fears are legitimate. And I talk to sellers who, who are concerned about that. I don't think it's a major, major factor anymore, just okay. to be honest. I don't, I don't think it was a major factor at first anyway, yeah, we, it didn't slow down no, when, we, even during the major part of the pandemic. I think what the pandemic did is it get, caused a cultural shift. More people can work from home. More people have decided to make the home their home their oasis. Yeah, and, yep. and um, all of that has now just is more than just a short term, you know, uh, uh, phenomenon. It's going to be a long term uh, product we're going to see in our homes. And then the fact that the supply, until the supply chain really tries to become much more stabilized, the builders can't build fast enough because they don't have the supplies to continually building the homes. Um, I, I talked to a builder who had a new release coming out of 12 homes, 12 homes. And here are the prices. And let's just say one of the price points in the medium range homes was 590 and not they, anymore. No, no, but he's, he, they, they put it out for these 12 homes are going to be released. And so give us your highest and best bid. Yeah. What you want on this house for 590. It's sold, sold in the 700s. Yeah, that's gonna, that's what so, I was going to say. So, so substantially. Again, remember in the first segment, I said that the savvy buyer right now is understanding that they may have to come in 10 to 15 percent over asking price if you are one, in one of the really highly desirable areas of the Sacramento Valley. So. It's uh, kind of a unique market. Even in the less desirable areas, you have to come in 5 to 10% over yes, and, the and, list price. And again, this is what, one of the few times, you know, as I shared in last week's show, that if you have another house to move to or if you're leaving the state, mm-hmm. this is what a wonderful time to sell. Because we don't necessarily have to stage the house. We don't have to necessarily fix things that I normally would recommend that you would take care of before we put it on the market. And we can sell it as is. Now, I may limit by not doing some of those things. You may instead you may only get five percent over asking price instead of ten percent. So there's still some value of doing that. But I would sit down with you and talk talk to you through the pros and cons. But I do have sellers putting their house on the market, saying, "Well, I was going to fix that, but nah, I don't think so." Yeah, and, I don't need to. Yeah. So I'm just going to save the money. Yeah, and right. I, we'll just disclose it, and we'll sell it the way it as is, and I'll still have more than one buyer who'll be. Very, very happy with that. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Amy, I want to kind of, since you are kind of our mortgage expert, I want to kind of come back and say, okay, so we are having an occasional, maybe more than occasional issue with appraisers, not appraisals, just because it's such a wild and crazy market. Yes, so, I've had a couple of them that have come in a little bit low on my purchases in the last month. Okay, so what happens? So, um, well, one of them came in $5,000 low, um, and, you know, we had already released the loan contingent, the appraisal contingency, so it wasn't like they could go back and renegotiate the price with the seller. 
Um, so they came in. We we adjusted our loan based on the appraised value because all lenders only will loan upon what the value of the home is, not Correct. what the purchase price is. So we adjusted our um, loan amount based on the appraised value, not the purchase price. And the buyer came in with an extra $5,000. So this is why when, as, when I'm representing a, a seller and I get uh, 10 offers, all right, and we are substantially over what I know is the nearest comp. So it may or may not appraise. As a seller, I, seller's agent, I'm going to assume that it may not appraise. And what happens when that, when that, you know, that arises? And so I will go to the buyer's agent and say, if this home does not appraise, I see you remove the appraisal contingency. Show me you have proof of funds to cover a difference in the appraised price and your offering price. All right, so if a buyer comes in with only 3% down, they may not be able to do that. Right. A buyer that comes in with 40% down could say, all right, I'll put 35% down and I'll use the other 5% to cover the difference in the appraisal price. So now there are different questions that a good listing agent should be asking any potential buyer's agent to determine, all right, I realize that all the offers are coming in over asking price. Can you cover the appraisal difference and are you willing to do that? Yeah, can they perform? Again, again, it's just another example of adjusting to whatever the conditions of the market are. Well, and I can attest to the fact that um, most listing agents are not checking that balance. They're mm-hmm. not they're not asking those questions. Yeah. Well, they will pretty quick because as soon as they lose escrow because they had, came back on the market because right. the appraisal didn't quite cover it and the, the buyer either chose not to bring the other cash in or to not have the cash to, to bring right. it in. And uh, I think that... Once they get their hand slapped. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I still see this scenario and uh, this has been in existence since I've been a real estate agent. Whenever you are in a multiple offer situation, buyers get excited. It's like they're at an auction, you know, <laughs> you know, never take me to an auction. Never, never take me because I get so excited. Oh, what's just a little bit more? You're going to raise your hand. <laughs> what's just a little bit more? You know? And you're going to raise your hand again. Yeah. I went to Bishop Mule days and I bought too many mules right? because <laughs> they're auctioned off and I get too excited. But anyway, that's a whole different story. But same thing, the same uh, kind of uh, circumstance can happen to buyers when they're kind of caught up in oh, I'll just pay $10,000 more and I'll, I'll get the house. Right. And then about four or five days later, they realize they like their money just a little bit more. They have buyer's remorse. Then they like yeah. the house. Yeah. <laughs> and so- Too so, late. Yeah, well, if, if they have removed some of their contingencies, they can still change their mind, but their yeah. deposit might be at risk. Because remember, that was one of the safety nets that I'm seeing being peeled back quite often right now as people try to get the sellers to accept their offer. So we know that Mike gets excited- about auctions. Oh, it, it, and, uh, it is so fun. It, when that auctioneer starts doing that real fast talk, it's like, wow. Yeah, I and, wish I could do that and I could give an example, but I can't. Oh, yeah. Do, do not itch your chin <laughs> because you end up buying something. That's right. <laughs> I know Amy gets excited about things too. Uh, she's got some oh, actually. Oh, yeah, you got some great news. She's got Amy. some exciting oh, news. Yeah. something that's exciting for her. Finance of America went public last week. So um, we are now sold on the New York Stock Exchange. Ooh. Our ticker symbol is F-O-A, standing Ooh, for Finance of America. So so what, is, what does that mean for our listeners who are thinking about either refinancing or buying a home? Well, I just think that, um, you know, a publicly traded company is a little bit more solid than maybe one that's not and um, also, has and the, more backing. And I mean, Finance of America, it's a well-known fact. Maybe people don't know this. Our listeners don't know this, but our parent company is Blackstone. Mm-hmm. Blackstone is one of the largest corporations in the world. Right, David? Yes, ma'am. 
And um, we're kind of their little favorite stepchild right now. <laughs> We've like done you. quite well for them. We've moved up from That's a little right. drop in the bucket of a hedge fund. Into, they liked uh, you so much, they kicked you out and made you get yeah, your own I mean, price. Yes, exactly. And um, so what's cool about that is that we have a lot of um, products, loan products, that are um, only exclusive to Finance of America. And one of them is our Equity Avail um, program, which is a hybrid reverse mortgage. And you only have to be 60 years old to um, participate in this loan program. And it reduces your payment in half uh, for the first 10 years. And then it rolls into a traditional reverse mortgage after that. And that is the product of just the backing that we have, that we have deep pockets. Oh, and you also had another new loan program we talked just briefly about last in, in our last show was that if you... Uh, if somebody was trying to didn't have quite enough down, yes. they, could, they could do a, a first and a second all the same time yes. at closing. And that's unique to Finance of America it is. also. It's so. our HELOC. And uh, if you, you can do an, what's called an 80-10-10, which is not a new program by any means, but it is just now coming back from a long time ago. And um, even if you're a first-time homebuyer, you can do, if you have 10% down, we'll give you a 10% second, and we'll also give you a first mortgage for 80%. That alleviates no more mortgage insurance, makes your payment less, and gives you a lot of flexibility, um, especially when you're in the jumbo market. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you, there's a lot of first-time home buyers in that jumbo market. Well, we have one. <laughs> I, I'll give you an interesting fact. Last year at this time, guess what the average medium home price was in the Sacramento Valley? 400. 427 or 437, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Guess what it is now in the spring of 2021? What? 527. A hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yep. Almost a 20% increase. Wow. So that's just a a great example, again, of supply and demand. When there's no supply and a substantially increased amount of demand, prices are going to go up. I do not see that stopping soon. Well, and I hope our listeners hear you because this time next year, we'll probably be saying that the median house price is around 600,000. So well, buy now. Yeah, I'll refinance now because interest Get rates into are still the market. <laughs> yeah, if you have any questions about buying or selling, give me a call. 530-431-8586. Again, 530-431-8586. We're going to be right back after this break, so please stay tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Ray. David Stone is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp, a broker-dealer member SIPC and a registered investment advisor. Stone Consulting Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Welcome back. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hi, everybody. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. Amazing Amy. 
Dynamic Dave. Right. Yep. And Magnificent re- Mike. No, just plain old Mike. <laughs> just plain old Mike. That works very, very well. So long as you don't call me Michael. Whenever I hear my name Michael. Oh. I, I You're in it. trouble. Your uh, mom. I know. It's especially, your mom. Oh, yeah. Especially if I heard Michael Lee. Oh. You, I went the other way as fast as I could go. You are in big it. trouble. Uh, even if I didn't cause it, I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I never caused any trouble when I was a kid. Oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> the perfect little child. I can see a halo around your headset. Yeah. <laughs> you know for a fact that anybody who says that the opposite is true <laughs> that's right <laughs> I am that's not why gonna, i never I'm say not, that i am not going to bore them, our audience with those type of stories <laughs> oh no they'd love it <laughs> yeah anyway i have a question for you dave you yes are, sir are, you know the, the the most trusted financial planner that i know of and i have a tremendous amount of respect for you you know this last year has been very very challenging for a lot of our listeners out there yeah uh, i have lost people who i have known uh, because of the pandemic and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experienced some trying and difficult times, perhaps they had some own losses, but it has a tendency to cause you to kind of reevaluate. You know? Sure. All right. So, you know, we're never promised tomorrow and life is always too short. Yeah. But as I know that uh, you and I have had these discussions about long-term retirement planning and stuff, mm-hmm. but I bet you a lot more people are starting to think about that because of what we've walked through this last year. What would retirement really look like? And if I had to stay home every day, <laughs> how, how am I going to spend my time? Or a, lot, I... a lot of people have stayed home every day. Yes, yes. And for a lot of people, it was quite the adjustment. Yeah. Especially if you weren't used to having your spouse at home with you. And your to... children that you had to homeschool. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I remember our, our cats looking at me and saying, why are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> no, they look at me no matter no matter when I walk in the house. Oh, you're home again. You, you haven't left yet? <laughs> it's like, no, I've been gone. <laughs> yeah. But now when all of a sudden with the pandemic and you work from home, home a lot they're thinking all right we got to do something about this guy (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure but anyway when it comes to long-term finance retirement i think it's you know i think that's crossed a lot of our listeners minds here maybe we need to be a bit more serious about considering all the pros and cons and questions you need to even ask as you begin talking about retirement yeah i mean i think that you know the reality is most people know that one day they'd like to stop working Mm -hmm. you know they like to be able to you know, kick off their shoes, go on vacation, play yeah. some golf. I mean, there's only so much that you can do. But, uh, you, but know, you can golf. choose what you want to do yeah. each minute of every day. Yeah, you ab- absolutely. Um, you know, the the idea of what am I going to spend my time doing is pretty important to think about when you're mm-hmm. actually going to pull the trigger and say, okay, I am now going to no longer work. Uh, or maybe you are just going to slow down and you are going to take some time and maybe do some part-time work. I mean, as a real estate agent, Mike, you... You could sell a couple homes a year and, mm-hmm. and you know, help, help supplement your income. Uh, and that may be something that you you enjoy being with people and you enjoy mm-hmm. helping them. And you and I know that you have this you know, giving heart. So that might be something that you really want to spend your time doing. Where Amy, she's she's just a, a fireball. Mm-hmm. And I think she's either going to be 100 miles an hour or sitting on a beach in Cabo. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> She'll be going 100 miles an hour on a beach in Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, I, 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 I like to help people kind of think along the lines of what am I going to spend time doing in my retirement years. So Yeah, you and I had this discussion. Matter of fact, I'm considering different plans to move forward as, you know. Yeah. Uh, before retirement was just some date in the future. And now it's more of a, okay, so what, I mean, you, you, you really caused me thinking about a couple of years back saying, Mike, you know, you have a very profitable business here. What are you going to do with that when you retire? Right. And, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. When you retire, you just walked away. 
Right. But you, you, and you showed me, you showed me, oh no, you don't need to do that. You know, there, there's some, you, you gave me great questions to ask. Well, that's, that's what I do. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's by the, the name of the company is Stone Consulting Group because uh-huh. we like to consult. Yes. We like to give you some ideas, let you kind of think of ways that you might be thinking uh, and maybe give you and ask you questions. Our, our second meeting with a client, if they've hired us to do work with them, is called Discovery, Plan Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's a discovery while they are discovering maybe that there's some questions they've never been asked before. Mm-hmm. And I get to discover those answers. So it, it becomes one of these things that if people start to think along the lines of what am I going to spend my time doing, then they can help quantify financially what they're going to need the money for. How much do they really need? Mm-hmm. The impact of inflation, the impact of taxes, the impact of interest rates changing. So many things are changing in their lives. And a lot of times people will have a static plan where they're just say, oh, I want to live on $7,000 a month. Okay, well, well, that's good. 18 years from now at 4% inflation, you need $14,000 a month. So how do you build that into that? And that's after taxes. So how much tax do I have to pay based on how much money I'm earning based on the current tax loss? So the the idea of what am I going to spend my time doing is going to make a difference. If you're going to spend most of your time doing charitable events and and maybe go and go to Africa and be a missionary or something like I was when I was a young man, um, that that's going to take money, mm-hmm. right? You can't just do that without pre- preparation. So you know, where do you see yourself after retirement? How do you see yourself? Are you going to vacation? Are you going to have activities that you like to do? Are you going to spend more time with your family? Are you going to volunteer? So those sort of things become a big a big issue for people to try to identify, well, what am I going to do? And then that helps us kind of say, okay, well, this is what you want to do. Well, how much is that going to cost you to do that? And then it's a matter of identifying what's the next step, right? Yeah, it's just amazing that... I. I mean, I, in the back of my mind, I knew that I should be asking those questions, but I, I didn't even know the questions to ask. I just knew that retirement was getting closer and closer with each passing day. Right. And one of these days, I had to start thinking about it. And it was through talking with you and the questions you were starting to ask back and forth. I thought, oh, this is, well, I, I don't know the answers to these questions. I need some guidance. I need some help. Right. And and that's, I love doing what I do. It, it becomes super satisfying for me to see someone go from a transition of, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I can't do it any longer, when can I stop working? And then you get them to the point where they can stop working and then they just all of a sudden they've blossomed into this, I love taking the time to be with my grandkids, right. or I love volunteering at the local food closet, mm-hmm. or name of whatever you love to do. I love to play golf. I have one client, his name is Rick. That guy, I swear, he is going to play more golf when he retires than <laughs> anybody I know. And I love him and, and his wife, Dina, they're great people. And uh, the reality is they, hey, they have certain things they love to do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned about those things after working for them for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it super satisfying. So when we, when we take a client and they say, I'm going to start a retirement plan, I want to, people think about retirement planning and they, they say, okay, well, you know, it's a matter of just accumulating money, right? Retirement planning really is defined of, of accumulating enough money. So there's a point in time where you're financially independent where you don't have to work another day in your life. I mean, that's really what people are working for. Mm-hmm. I had a client tell me once, I said, I said, how would you define financial independence? And the client said to me, well, it's pretty much doing anything I want to do and not really worrying about the cost of it. I said, okay, that, that that's helps my me. my definition. That, that helps me. That helps me know kind of what their definition is. 
So then ultimately we want to define, okay, so what are your expenses? So we break things down into pretty much three categories, but the first category, main category is the first category, which is your core expenses. So we're to discuss, um, you know, the details around your food and your clothing and your housing, your transportation, insurance, taxes, things like that. Haircuts. Haircuts, you know, that might be a joy expense. (laughs) (laughs) Some people might say, I, you know, and I, I've I've actually, I mentioned a story in the, in the book. I had a certified financial planner who's a client of mine. Um, When I was going through this exercise with her, it was really funny because Everything I would say, what about this? She goes, oh, that's that's core. I'm like, really? Okay. What about this? Oh, 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 yeah. That's definitely core. I, that's de- I'm like, okay. Okay. What about this? Mercedes Benz, right? I was, oh, it's totally core. I mean, what, what's the matter with a Hyundai? Maybe we can do a Hyundai as core and then joy is the difference between the Hyundai and, and the other. But, but, you know, your joy Weekly expenses. Weekly shopping trips to Nordstrom is absolutely oh, therapeutic. No, it's therapeutic. It's got to be core. Medical. Right. So under joy expenses are things like travel, hobbies, entertainment, uh-huh. gifts, things like that. And then the last thing, the, the third category is what we like to call legacy. And, uh, and that's like, what is it that I'm going to leave to my heirs? Mm-hmm. Or what is it that I'm going to leave to charity? Mm-hmm. So depending on what it is that we're trying to accomplish, those, if, you know, if you, if you look at that retirement plan, well, most people accumulate their assets and then we get to the point where they've accumulated them and they like, they have this, you know, deer in the headlights, look, okay, uh, now what? Now what do we do? <laughs> and, and so there's very few uh, financial professionals that have experience in doing what's called retirement distribution planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are fine. You know, let's accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And then when they say, well, okay, let's start to take it out. They don't have a clue. So they don't know really what are the options? What's the best way for me to have my core expenses come out? What if I don't have a corporate pension or a state pension? You know, how can I get those core expenses? So they're very manageable. I'm, I want it to be reliable. So I don't, you know, for some reason something happens and I don't have enough money to do my joy, I want to at least know that my core is in place mm-hmm. and I can have the basic necessities for life. So that's just kind of some general right. you know, feedback on that. I do know, too, that oftentimes when you retire, when you have free time, you end up spending more money than when you are working because you have more time to spend money. Yeah, let me, let me share something about that just briefly. But you, the, the, a lot of times people will say, um, I want to retire, and they do. And then the first thing they do is they go out and they build an addition onto their house, mm-hmm. you know, and or they do a remodel. So it's it's very interesting. I've yep. seen plan on a certain amount of money for the <laughs> you know, get it out of your system kind of thing with air quotes, right? Get it out of your system, people. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you have any questions about this, I cannot refer you to a better person than Dave. Give me a call five three zero four three one eight five eight six. Again, five three zero four thirty one eighty five eighty six. We're going to be back for our last segment right after this break, so please stay tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Ray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Ray. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to our final segment this week of the Golden State Report. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. Yo, what's up, brother? Hey, great information last segment on retirement, all right? Hey, that was fun. You did a nice job. We had a good time. And we have Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hi, Mike. 
And we also have during this segment one of our news show people. We're very excited to welcome back Renee Inman from Beach no Beach and Beach and O'Neill. Sorry about that. <laughs> I will have that smoother <laughs> next time. For you got you, the Renee, Renee down. Yes. Yeah, I got Renee down. That's the most important. That's thing, important. So. I'm Renee from Beach. That's all that matters. <laughs> and she married a guy who's from the beach. Oh that's yes, right. And that's why Amy likes you because you're Renee from the beach. That's right. Amy exactly. Likes the beach. I'm going to retire on Renee's beach. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But Renee works for one of the finer insurance companies in the area, and we're so glad that they are a part of the Golden State Report. And I got some, well, I got a bunch of questions for you, but I'm going to just kind of start with a basic question for you this week, Renee, is that oftentimes when uh, we're helping a first-time home buyer buy a house, they we tell them, now you need to get a homeowner's insurance. And they look at me and say, oh, yeah, okay. And how do I do that? All right. And so we give them some t- numbers and they can call, you know, there's a multitude of homeowners insurance companies out there and then we leave it up to them. But inevitably they call me right back and say, I don't even know what questions to ask them. All right. So if you are a first time home buyer and you've never had homeowners insurance before, what are some of the questions that you should ask when you are trying to find a new policy? Well, that's a really nice question, but I think first uh, calling an agent that goes over the application questions with you up front okay. would help. So the first thing that I would do if I was a customer mm-hmm. is I would ask on the home I'm getting a quote for if there's been any claims, mold, water, anything like that no, that I'm purchasing. So now often... Oftentimes, uh, a new home buyer may not know that answer. That's why we have disclosures, and sellers have to disclose that. So let's just say, oh, yeah, I see in the seller disclosure that they had uh, a claim about three years ago because uh, the dishwasher broke and flooded the whole lower level. So that would affect their insurance rates? Well, it wouldn't necessarily affect their insurance rate because it was from a prior owner. Okay. Um, It's just going to let them know what they're getting into. Let's say... They can ask, hey, can I have clarification that this has been repaired properly? Okay. All right. Um, and and Renee, is it am I right in saying that uh, your agents, your insurance agents, can um, actually pull that data up about that house? That is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. It's called the Clue Report, mm-hmm. and that's all you have to do is, um, well, we, we run Clue Reports with every single quote, uh-huh. so we'll be able to tell. Um, what's on there or sometimes the insurance company might say oh you know this this buyer has a claim and we're like oh no the home's been sold this is a new mm-hmm. so it, it it is it's a little dance but it's it's easy it's- but, but it's also advantageous too because i'll share an example of where um uh, an insurance agent ran a clue report and said well it looks like they, they fixed the you know the fire damage from three years ago I went back to the seller. I was representing the buyer. I went back to the seller's disclosures. There is nothing in the disclosures about a fire three years ago. All right. So all of a they sudden, didn't we, ha- they didn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to see my oh, face right now. Oh, oh that was a very nice one. That was yeah. a dad joke. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but at least now we had questions to ask, and that came from the insurance agent running the clue report. Yeah, that that is a cringeworthy spot to be in also. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other uh, questions that you want to ask is if the quote you have – uh, has water uh, system or se- service line coverage and water backup. Okay, what does that mean? So service line coverage is obviously the underground, mm-hmm. like plumbing, electrical. So, you know, if a claim happens, you'll have coverage for that also. 
water backup is let's say there's a sewer backup mm -hmm. and let's say that you have coverage for the actual claim but you don't have coverage for the sewer water to be sucked out of your home so the repairs can start okay so it is a coverage you do not want to skimp on All you right. just don't okay. and sometimes uh insurance agents write bare bones policies that wouldn't include that or you might have to ask for that um Rest assured, we wouldn't let you get by without giving you the option uh, okay. to have that. And then also, uh, does the policy include coverages for appliances or do I need to buy a home warranty to cover my appliances? That's another option. Also, uh, do I have any discounts for fire sprinklers? Do I have discounts for a burglary alarm? Um, that centrally monitored is what they care about, or uh, water sensors. So a lot of homes come equipped with water sensors now. And so that is an actual discount on your homeowner's policy. Okay, and so you can ask what, what discounts are available. Correct. Okay. And, now is this, and I, I know this is true. If you have your homeowner's policy and your automobile policy with the same company, that's a pretty significant discount. Yes, yeah, so a lot of that's a multi-policy discount, mm -hmm. and that's the last one. Thank you for reminding yeah. me on that. Um, some of the higher brush areas mm -hmm. that they don't have uh, their standalone home policies, Correct. so we can't always bundle with those. But yes, it's sometimes a substantial savings. Some sometimes ten to twenty-five percent mm -hmm. total. It's very easy. Oftentimes, too, I'll have a buyer saying, well, I got a quote for, I'm just pulling numbers out of the air here, so these may not be exact. I got a quote for $650 and a quote for $1,110. So I'm going to go with the $650. It makes sense. Oh, we got to make sure we're comparing apples to apples. Exactly. You know, what's your deductible? What's covered and what's not covered? Because my fear is that you are underinsured with the 650 versus the 1120, whatever. The I just want to make sure that the sewer stuff, when it overloads, it's going to get get it cleaned up. <laughs> That's all I'm saying about that. Well, if you call Beach and O'Neill Insurance, those agents are going to ask those questions so you can make the right decision. That's right. And I, I always believe the mark of a really qualified person is somebody who just explains the information in such a way that your client can understand it then your client will be able to make the decision that's most appropriate for their lifestyle. Correct, and that's why we consultatively sell to them. Yep, well, if you have any questions about your insurance and if you have the right insurance, give me a call, 530-431-8586. I'm going to put you directly in touch with Renee. You're going to be in great hands. Again, 530-431-8586. And we can talk about the website, too. Oh, yeah, you can go to thegoldenstatereport.com. And unfortunately, you can find all of our pictures. It's good for Dave. It's good for Amy. It's good for, for Renee. And then just pass over that last picture, and you are going to be fine. Anyway, thank you for tuning in this week. Any questions, give me a call, 530-431-8586. Have a great week, everybody, and hope you tune in next week. <laughs>